Today, we revisit the last days of 20th Century Fox. You might have read that the billion-dollar man himself, Rupert Murdoch, is stepping down. He is retiring, and it stirred memories of that pivotal deal when Disney came forward to buy 20th Century Fox for $70 billion, but they had a competitor, Comcast. While all this was going on, 20th Century Fox continued to develop and make comic book movies. Deadpool 2 was released in this atmosphere. I had a front row seat to all that was going on. Let's let's join and share together the, the, the spy games that Disney employed in order to, to emerge the victor. Today, it's all about the last days of 20th Century Fox on an all-new edition of Observations. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. This is the show where we discuss comic books and superheroes and pop culture. It's given a personal spin uh, from me, Rob, hence the Observations, because I, I've, I've taken you on my journey through comic books since I was seven years old. Uh, 1974 became an absolute obsession, and I have watched comic books and superheroes become these mega gigantic multi-billion dollar uh platforms to, to with 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 which the, the 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 studios and these companies are are able to launch these giant campaigns and make one hugely influential comic book superhero movie after another and it it doesn't stop at the cinemas and you know it it it, it goes to your slurpee cups it goes to your T-shirts, the kids section at 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 Target, at Walmart, the toys, the the. I mean, I'm literally looking at at a at a giant bank that stares me in the face, a giant bank ahead of a superhero that you put your coins in. So so, and, and that's nothing new. There's just more of them. There's just so much more of them, and they're bigger and better, and 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 clearly. In 2023, they're faltering a little. I mean, we 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 would we would be remiss to not say that they have faltered somewhat. But 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 even at their faltering point, they are still ridiculously successful, uh, especially when they're managed and budgeted correctly. And if you want to talk about a company that managed and budgeted correctly, you could not uh, dismiss maybe maybe one of the best the best that ever did it which was 20th Century Fox. They loved to balance their budgets, make that movie on that budget, watch those profits soar. And it goes all the way back to the Planet of the Apes. I've gotten slightly ahead of myself here, but today we are going to discuss, walk through the last days of 20th Century Fox. The last days of 20th Century Fox. If that doesn't sound dramatic, I, I don't know. I don't know how better to spin it. It's going to be a fun little discussion of what was going on in that last year, year and a half, where the giant behemoth that is Disney, that the appetite uh, roared, roared again. It had gobbled up Pixar and, and Lucasfilm and, and and Marvel, but this was its biggest acquisition, far and away, was the acquisition of 20th Century Fox, and it was incredibly uh, exciting. Uh, especially with all the behind the scenes 
and we're going to cover we're going to cover some of that, some stuff that we the public didn't know in regards to how Disney was able to pull it off, given that they had a huge competitor uh, named Comcast that that was that was stalking them and 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 making them increase their bid the entire time. But the last days of 20th Century Fox is our subject today. And when I get back, when I when I when I tell you that they were uh, managing, you know, the books and 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 had the expert accountants on their projects. And I, and I tell you to go back to Planet of the Apes. I have so many Planet of the Apes books, uh, coffee table books about the making of Planet of the Apes. Uh, that, that there's there's there there were special books that that were accompanying the DVD, the five the five disc set for for. And 20th Century Fox knows this for 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 a certain uh, age fan, because uh, because the the same time I am loving on the comic books in 1974, I am watching. The Planet of the Apes movies, they're on every day. I, I, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I have an opportunity to tell you again about Go Ape. Okay, Go Ape started when they would play all five uh, movies, all five of the late 60s, early 70s Planet of the Apes movies in cinemas for a weekend. And, and that would be their, their advertisement, Go Ape, go see all of them. Well, by the time that 1974 hits, they are being stripped on a on a daily basis, at least once or twice a year, uh, to to the local stations, and 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 as I've mentioned before, so many of my my uh, adult friends, when 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 I w- would speak of this, that they live on the East Coast, Midwest, they're like, oh, we had that too, we had that too, and and out here in Southern California, the ABC uh, network, Channel Seven, out here, and been Channel Seven my whole life, in Southern California, had an after school. Uh, they called it the afternoon movie and it started at three o'clock and it ended at five o'clock and you go right into your news that there was no like literally no Oprah no Donahue no uh n- n- none of those uh no 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 Maury you know you know that that age no Ricky Ricky Lake all all of those talk shows would, would, would really explode in the 80s and the 90s but in the uh here I go I love to say it the 70s Again, I, I'm, there's a show that I, I watch on on Apple called The Morning Show, and I just I will I love when now the executive I already said this last week, so get used to this. Said you couldn't have survived the '70s. Uh, we we have uh, those of us who grew up in in the in the '70s. We we it's hollowed ground. Okay, just just get used to it right now. It's hollowed ground, and the afternoon movie was the block of time from three to five where they would just show movies uh martial arts week monsters week uh, godzilla got his own week when i say monsters i'm talking about during halloween frankenstein dracula dracula meets frankenstein dracula and frankenstein meet the wolfman the wolfman wolfman versus frank frankenstein and then the week's over you know but with planet of the apes nothing was better suited because each day you got an advancement of this story in the way that it was intended by fox to tell you so you got planet of the apes beneath the planet of the apes escape from the planet of the apes battle uh no battle is the last one conquest of the planet of the apes battle for the planet of the apes so in these books that i have uh the 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 you know let's say they they made the first movie for 1.8 million dollars and it was over budget oh my gosh the 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 fox accountants were freaking out but 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 then it made 10 million dollars so they made a profit of you know somewhere between five and six million dollars given advertising and cost so then they would make the second movie 
they, they very specific. They would make Beneath the Planet of the Apes for uh, $1.4 million. They, they shaved $400,000 off the budget. And then they would make a profit because that movie didn't do as well. It wasn't the phenomenon of Planet of the Apes, but it was still very successful. You know, Beneath the Planet of the Apes would make, you know, $6 million. So now they're making a profit of, of, of $3 million. And this is how it went through, through, through the very end. And now you know why, as a kid, you're like, yeah, Battle of, Battle of the Planet of the Apes looks kind of cheap. Well, that is the bean counters at, at Fox were like, we're not spending a dime over $875,000 on this production. Do you, you got that? Um, and, and literally they will go into great depths and tell you it was always, well, we made this one, this much off of beneath, then this is how we're going to approach, uh, escape and escape's now going to be made for $1.2 million. And it makes sense now that you go, oh, okay. Escape from Planet Amps didn't have, didn't have as much kind of maybe elaborate special effects. There's no giant, uh, lawgiver. If you watch the, the, the if you're aware of the series, you know, this like the, the there's not a giant you know, 50 foot ver- vision of the lawgiver in the middle of the desert whose, whose eyes are bleeding and there's not as much makeup applications. It really is just the two monkeys this time. So again, you can see when you look back some of the ways that they would, um, that they would, that they would cut cost and they're like, but, but Rob, but then in conquest of the planet of the apes, that there's so many monkeys, there's so much makeup, uh, you know, watch that movie again. <laughs> there's not as much as you think. There's like six or seven monkeys that they keep just shooting people dressed as monkeys, people dressed as monkeys, people dressed as apes, okay, that they keep shooting back and forth. And then the great thing about Beneath the Planet of the Apes, because if you watch the making of, again, this is 20th Century Fox, uh, it, it, talking about this, they would literally have those like Halloween plastic masks uh, that we wore as kids uh, on Halloween on some of the people in the top row, because, you know, as long as they're out of focus, uh, you, you you can't see it, but now as they as whenever they refine some of these movies and they go into the, like super 4K, you're like, oh, awesome! I'm going to see all the mistakes because now that means the picture is clearer and all the stuff in the back is going to be even more noticeable to me because because like they're they're not they're not uh, dealing with like a lens that, that that looks like it has butter on it anymore. Like they have completely gone in and tightened tightened focus. So so you're going to see those cheap plastic. Uh, gorilla and plastic ape masks that the actors wore so yeah they did absolutely run that uh opposite of what would happen in the in the space of 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 the culture that we're now in which is spend more spend more throw more money in it no we're not going to spend less on Ezekiel. we're going to spend more and you know star wars with with george lucas he had planned on if the first movie didn't do well. That's why Splinter of the Mind's Eye, the best-selling novel that followed the first novelization, the first continuation of the the, the official continuization. Can, can, yeah, is that a word? <laughs> the the the, the um, first fully sanctioned uh, extension of 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 the Star Wars universe that came out after the movie was in theaters uh, by George in novel form was called Splinter of the Mind's Eye. You had the Marvel comics, but in the novels it was Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which turns out was the basically the rough draft screenplay concept uh all of the above that they were going to approach a sequel if star wars didn't make the big money that's why han and chewie aren't in it and the 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 cast has been so cut down it's just a really a luke leah uh c3po r2d2 story and and of course darth vader appears but you know as a kid i didn't know that i just said oh cool we're on a, a a more focused mission with luke 
And and I never thought that, oh boy, the reason Han and Chewie aren't in here is because they couldn't afford them because this was supposed to be a movie. Again, practices learned under 20th Century Fox. As you know, in, in the 2000s, it is bigger, better. If, if, if X-Men, uh, number one, made for $68 million, released in 2000, and makes several hundred million dollars, succeeds then, now, okay, we can up that budget to 89 million, 92 million, 100 million, whatever. And again, you got to understand the last days of, of Fox, I'm going to give you my seat. I did have a seat. And, and I'm going to tell you how I had that seat is because of the overwhelming, surprisingly shocking success of the Deadpool films. I would highly recommend you listen to, uh, it was the beginning of the second year of this show. Yeah, probably the early 2021 episodes. The first five, because I did one, I just did it the entire month, was the making of Deadpool. No, there is no question I could ask more. And so I decided to drill down deep and take you across the entire creation of Deadpool, how I conceived of him, uh, the, the stories uh, behind my, you know, creating him in my sketchbooks, eventually selling him to Marvel to be part of this new, you know, world that I was building for them, the incredible popularity that he achieved instantaneously, and then across video games, uh, action figures, cartoons, and then ultimately the, 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 the movie that took literally, I mean, from Wolverine Origins to to Deadpool uh, opening in in uh, on Valentine's Day I think is that is yeah yeah February of 2016 it took seven years it took seven years for a movie that everybody wanted because the regime thought they were going to lose money and boy no one has told you the true 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 that the, the novelization should be called the true 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 story of the behind the scenes of the making of Deadpool and all the crazy there is stuff that you don't know that will. Uh, curl your eyelashes absolutely curl your curl your eyelashes that that, that i've uh ne- never never uh shared last minute decisions crazy stuff that 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 is yet to come again hang with me age with me uh uh let, let, let's keep this show going because because i i'm not sure i'm gonna uh, hold it together much past uh 60 and and that's when i'm just gonna turn this mic on and just slobber on it and give you the best stories i never did tell <laughs> Um, cause I'm really trying to do my best to, to be a, a very responsible podcaster, uh, and, and somewhat, somewhat, I may, I may add in, in, in quotes, somewhat respectful, but because of the success that Deadpool finally achieved when they decided to, uh, to, to, to do what they were supposed to do and make it, uh, in pretty much the, the form that it should have been made reflecting all of the, the, the development and, and, and the best version of the screenplay, you're talking about a movie that was made for $58 million that went on to make uh, uh, just kiss the first one, $800 million. I mean, got worldwide super close and same with the sequel and the sequel, you, you guys, Oh man, they did. They did give Deadpool more money. They gave Deadpool like 25 million more. It, it, it was just under a hundred million dollars that they spent. So for, for 20th century Fox, a literally a big production, especially given the scale in that you know still the x-men films for Halle berry to to perform as storm and obviously all of the incredible feats that anyone who is who is uh portraying magneto is going to require in terms of special effects certainly deadpool didn't have a giant uh you know th- there weren't a whole bunch of special effects that it had to pull off yes juggernaut 
is is mocap and and fully rendered and and and, and a uh, you know a, a, a dedicated product of 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 you know computer graphics, but it it, it it's not nearly as extensive as as the work that went into some of these other films that had even bigger budgets. So I mean the the budget the success of Deadpool got a a big increase, but nowhere near like it wasn't. Uh, and certainly at the time, what was going on across the street at Disney, nowhere near those those budgets that Kevin Feige finally got the green light to do once he convinced Bob Iger to remove Ike Permutter as an obstacle to him, who was who was managing uh, the costs and and really did not like to spend any significant dollars on anything. So so it's it's why we all used to see the Marvel movies in the early two thousand from two thousand eight to really the avengers and go why did they it stopped with the avengers when the third act finally looked like it's you know had more money than the first act but for most of those movies and you know what i'm talking about you'd be razzled and dazzled by the first two acts and then the third act happens with all the lights off and you're like why can't i see anything it's like they they spent the money they spent all the budget uh getting you there keeping you in your shape in your in your seat for 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 78 minutes but for that last 12 15 things got a little cheaper and harder to see and again special effects people will tell you that special effects done with the lights off in a dark setting are easier to uh to 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 produce and and uh that you you can hide a lot of mistakes and so so the the end of those movies were always i would just laugh as a fan just going oh my gosh it's like they spent the budget and they have to wrap the movie up and the studio wouldn't give them much more and in fact we all learned that that was absolutely the case so then kevin feige gets you know bob Iger to back him 100 percent, and that's when those marvel budgets increase right around the time and again ryan reynolds is quoted as saying in one of the promos that he was doing uh that amongst the, the different junkets and interviews that he was doing promoting deadpool right before it came out he said deadpool number one was made on other studios cocaine budgets that is hysterical it is really a callback to the to the myths maybe of the 80s the, the stories about all the drugs uh, on set to keep the, the the stars that like them going. So so he, it was a super you know funny aside, but it really did speak to the point of how uh, cheap the Deadpool movies were in in rel- relative to like certainly not just the Marvel movies, but something like a Man of Steel, which you which is you know possibly in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Warner Brothers loved to get the checkbook out, loved to write the big checks. That's not what we were talking about when we were talking about Fox. So Disney announces, Disney announces, and I'm going I'm to give you more insight again, uh, what was actually going on, some stuff maybe you don't know that was reported on in the press later, because this was such a great story. But the acquisition of 21st, okay, because they changed it to 21st Century Fox, but the acquisition of then 20th Century Fox was announced December 14th, 2017. The deal was completed. The ink was dry on March 20th. 2019 so you know you're looking at a year and a half you're looking at you know basically this drama played out all throughout 2018 which means it played out all throughout deadpool 2 when i'm on the set of uh deadpool 2 in in september august of of 2018 i'm sorry 2017 of 2017 none of this is going down there is what's happening during that time and you have to understand so so these movies that get made, the executives fly to the set. They do a, a checkup on set maybe once a week, 
twice a week, sometimes maybe, maybe, maybe only twice a month. But from Deadpool 1 to Deadpool 2, the executives, they'd fly in, they'd observe, they'd discuss, they'd, they'd, they'd want to know where the budgets are, where the shooting schedule was, are we going to make it? Uh, what, what else do you, can you, do you need as far as uh, with, the, with the filmmakers? In a situation like both these movies, the executives knew exactly when they got on the plane what they had to fight for uh, in, in, in the upper executive suites in order to get, you know, to, to satisfy uh, what was going on with the filmmakers. But on, on Deadpool 2, uh, I've, I've, I've often spoken that Deadpool 1, which had a ton of location shoots throughout Vancouver uh, and, and, and not as much soundstage work, some soundstage, but, but nowhere near two sound stages, two sound stages, big, big, dedicated, uh, you know, jump in terms of scale and budget on Deadpool 2, different location. Back to back, giant facility, giant sound stages. Uh, two, 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 two to three sets uh, are active at any given time during those days. Some second unit was going on while while the 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 primary stuff was being shot by David Leach, and the executives would come in, and I would always be extremely flattered. They'd take me out to dinner late at night, go go get you know noodles. Some of the that they all knew where the best ramen places were, and 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 again, then you just you're hanging with the executives, you're sharing stories, you're listening, you're learning. This is this is you know my, my position. And during that time in September 20, 2017, you know, with about six weeks to go, because my when they said when when do you want to go to Deadpool two, and I said I would I would like to go to see the maximum amount of of both Cable and Deadpool together, uh, and, you know. I'd like to see as many of these characters interacting. The the uh, th- there had been a tragedy on set with with uh, the stunt double that was playing Domino, and that had occurred around the time that I was supposed to go and and see all of all all of my characters of Deadpool, Domino, and and Cable. But the the the, the set uh, was sh- shut down for a period during that during that time after after that occurred, and so that changed the schedule. And so then I had some options going into uh, late August, early September, and it would have been, you know, Cable and Domino, Domino and Deadpool, Cable, Deadpool, but never, never all three of them at that point. So I, I, I was, was really satisfied to go and hang out for a week and be on set and, 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 and see Josh and see Ryan and see all the cool stuff that they were shooting. And the production had gone really well. So the, 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 the movie had basically, maybe three to four weeks left to shoot. So vibes were, were great. And repeatedly, and I'm telling you this, I, I, I don't make this stuff up repeatedly from the executive offices that were on site because obviously the, the, the production has offices that, that work on behalf of the producers, the director, everybody you know, scheduling anything from meals to car pickup to, you know, uh, scouting a, a, a location shoot that's going to occur in the next couple of days and working with permits in the city, all of that. From the people in those offices, on the soundstage to the executive, to later the very president of the company, they would shake my hand and say, uh, Deadpool is the priority of the studio. It has become the number one priority for 20th Century Fox. It is our most profitable, most successful franchise. And you're sitting there going, holy crap, wow, that's incredible. And one day when I drove on 
to the 20th century law uh, in, in, in mid-2018, they had painted over one of the giant sound stages uh, that, 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 that had a Sound of Music mural, and they had painted it over with Deadpool. And that's when I'm like, oh, crap. Deadpool is a giant priority uh, for, for the studio. But I didn't need to assume it. I'm, I'm telling you, speaking into this microphone, telling you that constantly I was reminded of this and told of this. Uh, on the campaign for both one and two, I would go out with all the people from the marketing department, the heads of the marketing department. I would go to the people in the executive suites. They involved me in, uh, in, in the marketing. They would tell me what they were thinking, what Ryan was thinking. They would give me the trailers in advance, wanting to know uh, if I could share a clip or if I could, you know, use a, uh, there, there was a good housekeeping promotion or good housekeeping, a magazine about cooking and living good housekeeping. It's been around since, since, since you know, I was a wee lad that they, they, they asked me to, to put some of that stuff on my social media. So I was involved with them. I had, and when I, when I mean involved, I mean going into the, the giant meeting room and meeting with 15 people in marketing and having them all tell me kind of what's coming and let me know the campaign. These people were so nice, so generous. And, and I really got a, a great seat on the Deadpool train, especially of course, after the first movie took off. So the entire road from Deadpool 1 to Deadpool 2 was a lot of fun, but I got to know a, a lot of great people at Fox. And let me tell you, one of them, one of them is still there. Of the 15, 16 people that I knew that I interacted with, one of them is still there. And, and 20th Century Fox is not the same company that it was during that time. They, were, they had become really a maverick because of the lack of huge free, free spending that both Disney and Warner Brothers were, were doing in the, in the same space. Uh, dead, sorry, Deadpool. Fox had not lost those very same applications in terms of accounting. And well, we've got to be tight with the budgets because the profits matter. The profits absolutely matter. One of the heads of the marketing had taken me out. And this, this gives you a glimpse into, you know, what, what limited their earnings. He said, Rob, remember on the X-Men franchise, including Deadpool, on Fantastic Four, anything Marvel that we have, the only money that we make is off theatrical and the exploitation of that theatrical film on you know, video on demand, on DVD, uh, the, 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 the rights to the films. You know, we don't have ancillaries, uh, an, ancillaries. We don't have the extra stuff. That's all controlled by now Disney. And when you used to read that, hey, Disney turned the lights off on, on, on Fantastic Four in the publishing world to send the message that it wasn't a priority and dim any interest and knowledge and excitement that could be generated from the, gr- the ground level up, which is literally the comic book world. Uh, when, they, when they did that, it was absolutely 1,000% meant to kind of, you know, it, it turned the pipeline off. The reason Marvel couldn't do it with the X-Men is because the X-Men line of books was paying so many bills. The Fantastic Four was, it was, it was a struggling franchise, so it was easy to just turn it off. But what they'd also do is have no Fantastic Four merchandise. So, you know, sending, sending the message to Fox that no matter what you do here, you're not going to get toys and any of this other stuff, which is meant to promote the film because Fox didn't make a dime off of it. All of the 
merchandise that you saw from Deadpool on one and two was controlled and the, the earnings were Disney and Marvel's alone. Fox didn't get any piece of any licensing action, any action figures, video games, you know, what we talked about at the top here, t-shirts, uh, uh, you know, thermoses, everywhere, beach balls, everywhere that they're going to plaster that, that, that image. Now, their deal with Sony on Spider-Man is different. Each deal was different. But Deadpool, back-to-back, uh, giant in the 780 uh, million earnings, uh, huge profits. Profits on both films in the $400 million. But at this time, you are looking at these giant Marvel films. This is right when we are marching into Infinity War and we're marching into Endgame. And you're like, Life, will you be, for, for the last days of Fox, you're spending a lot of time on Deadpool. I'm, I'm going to tell you, you know, where, how I was positioned uh, in my chair, in my seat with all these people. And let me tell you that when that announcement came across, when that announcement happened in December 14th, 2017, that is just as the campaign for Deadpool 2 was heating up. Deadpool 2 came out uh, two weeks after Infinity War in 2018. Infinity War kicked off May, and two weeks later, Deadpool happened. But it wasn't always supposed to be that way. They, 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 they moved Deadpool up. They moved Deadpool up. And this is, ba- this is now as they are being uh, positioned to be sold by Disney. There was a rebellion going on within the studio that like, screw them. We don't care. We're going to do whatever we want. And my friends who were working at Disney were furious that Deadpool 2 got moved in between Infinity War and Solo. Because now you're right in between two Disney movies. And clearly... Uh, Deadpool had had an effect. It 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 won its showcase that weekend, uh, taking pulling more money away from Infinity War, and maybe lessening the impact the week following of Solo. That that's literally the the, the outlook and kind of the the um, the strategy that was was put forth going into it. The tracking had said anticipation for Deadpool was so great they could open it earlier. Earlier is better. You make more money. It was a very competitive summer. That is an 2018 was one of the most competitive, uh, just a movie every week. You, you, you forget that the the Sandra Bullock Oceans movie, I don't know which number it was, but uh, it, 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 it came out that summer and, and made the most that any ocean movie ever made. You had all the crazy animated movies that were coming out. You, 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 you had clearly in, in Infinity War, you had... Solo, which clearly failed, failed to really launch and, and, and take, especially across international markets. But it was every weekend was just blow by blow, big movie, big movie. And they were having success. Theaters were swarmed. I remember that summer very specifically. Always family films were the rage, families with all their kids. So Fox, Fox's profit centers were from how a movie did theatrically and then carrying through all of the different release platforms after a theater leaves they did not have any of this money coming in and one of the fox executives said rob you know you're aware you know we we just theatricals all we got when we release something we don't have an army of action figures of 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 plushy toys of school supplies of of apparel you know funko pops video games Uh, you've seen how how this stuff goes you know greeting cards candy bars there's all of the categories none of that it's it's theatrical well rupert murdoch 
saw that Fox was in a really good position. Fox itself was was making great movies, budgeting them correctly. Remember in, in, in 2015, The Martian had come out, really pedigreed uh, movie by Ridley Scott with, with uh, Matt Damon. I mean, huge success story. They had plenty of these movies that were doing great theatrically. They were a, a very competitive uh, movie studio in, in the upper echelon, especially given the, the earnings at the end of it every year being super competitive, but not in the Disney and Warner Brothers realm because they just had just so many more franchises going, especially Disney with all of its different, you know, family film platform, you know, Marvel platform, Star Wars platform, Pixar platform, Disney animated platform. So Rupert Murdoch is looking out and going, I'm selling, while, I'm selling high. I'm selling the studio assets in its library while it's high. The library, which has maybe the best sci-fi library in the history of cinema, given that it once boasted Star Wars, but still boasted Planet of the Apes. It had Predator. Uh, it's got the Aliens franchise. I mean, I have box sets of all this stuff. I mean, this, this, this is like the, the blue chip sci-fi. So Rupert Murdoch puts his 20th Century Fox up for sale. And, and there's clearly been talk behind the scenes. But Disney decides that they will go in with their, their, opening, their opening offer is just this crazy number. The actual press release that, that came out from the Walt Disney Company, which I'm holding in my, in my hands, says uh, 20th Century Fox to spin off Fox Broadcasting Network and Stations. Uh, Walt Disney Walt Disney Company acquire 20th Century, 20th Century Fox after spinoff of certain business for $52.4 billion. $52.4 billion in stock is the number that Disney is going to buy Fox for. The, the, the deal points immediately to follow after this announcement in this brief, brief paragraph uh, about 20th Century Fox spinning off their broadcasting network stations, Fox News, Fox Business, the Big Ten Network. The, the, the bullet points say, the acquisition co- complements and enhances the Walt Disney Company. The Walt Disney Company's ability to provide consumers around the world with more appealing content and entertainment options. Transaction to include Fox's film and television studios, cable entertainment networks, and international TV businesses. Popular entertainment properties including X-Men, Deadpool, Avatar, The Simpsons, the FX networks and National Geographic will join Disney's portfolio. This expands Disney's direct-to-consumer offerings with the addition of Fox's entertainment content capabilities in the Americas, Europe, and Asia. Hulu stake becomes a controlling interest. Addition of extensive international properties, including Star, which is a network in India, and Fox's 39% of Sky across Europe, another network, enhancing Disney's position as a truly global entertainment Company with world-class offerings in key regions. Robert A. Iger, Bob Iger, to remain chairman and CEO of the Walt Disney Company through 2021. And it goes goes on to tell you how how this is all going to play out. And this was all the buzz going into Christmas of that year. And if you're the company being acquired, like all my friends at Fox were about to be, they the I mean the lights just dimmed. There they were grim. This is at the early days of when uh, be, being shared the early cuts of the trailer for Deadpool 2. And so I would go and, and visit the, the studio. A lot of times they didn't want to send a, uh, a, a 
embedded video, even though like with the very first Deadpool trailer, prior to it being shown at Comic-Con in the summer of 2015, I was, I was, you haven't lived in your heart kind of, you'll see I'm being a little facetious here. I'm, I'm, uh, you haven't lived until you get a video file and you open it and, and all along the trailer that you're watching, it says, this is Rob Liefeld's copy. This is Rob Liefeld's copy. This is Rob Liefeld's copy. And it basically says, if this leaks, uh, you know, uh, this was Rob Liefeld's copy. So it's like, if you send that to a friend and you give them whatever the one-time code to download it, Fox will be like, Liefeld did it. Get him, nail him. It, it, and, and whatever, you know, Julie Green, Bob Brown, whoever was getting it had the same thing. It's how they watermarked, tagged, and made it made certain that that those, you know, that that you bore the responsibility of if you leak it, get ready to go to jail. The stuff that they were showing me at this point, I would have to drive to the lot. And of course it was fantastic. I, I would love to drive an hour each way just to watch five minutes to see, you know, the sequel, David Leach's vision cut together and, and spliced together. It was it was it was great. Often during this time I would do it in David Leach's production studios on the 20th century lot. Him and his staff, I'd get set up on a giant big screen and I would see different cuts of the movie. And 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 so like I said, it, it was during this time and the mood just the mood during that time from pre this Disney news to after it was just grim. We're gonna lose our jobs. They're gonna streamline. That's what Disney does in an acquisition, especially for this fifty-two billion dollars. Okay, after getting Star Wars Lucasfilm the entire thing for four million i'm sorry four billion four billion put a b on it liefeld and then prior to that getting marvel for four billion it's like four billion was the number for that period i'll take that for four billion i'll take that for four billion and already with the acquisition of pixar this seemed like an enormous jump but but bob Iger wanted it he wanted it this was if you've read his memoirs and and the and, and the 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 writings that 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 were going around during this time, this he believed was his crowning achievement, that he would leave Disney with this incredible crowning achievement. I still, to this day, can't make the math work, and you can come at me, and I've had certain people go, but Rob, but hardcore accountants, because we're not, the la- we're not at the last number yet. The last number is, is quite larger than this $56 billion, okay? I just still can't wrap my head around that you're going to have to do 70. Okay, when you buy something, that's not your, that's just the starting cost. Then. If I need 70 movies to make a billion dollars each to match the final number of 70 billion, yep, we're going there, 70 billion and how we got there. If I need that, then I got to spend a couple hundred million for each of those 70. So I, I need way more than 70. It, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. But yes, was I one of the people that decided, you know, I was, I, I had so much relief when Avatar 2, you know, made that extra, went, went above and beyond its billion dollar expectations and defied everyone saying it's going to suck all the way to the two billion dollar echelon that the elite era of earnings so that now you go well they're starting to pay down they're starting to pay down that debt and get some of that money back well the disney acquisition is not the only thing that happens and there and, and another party uh enters the picture and that is comcast comcast the, the way that you interact with Comcast the most is through NBC Universal, which is the most 
kind of consumer-friendly way that you interact with the giant that is Comcast. The 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 uh, the the giant news that came out was that Comcast wanted to buy Disney, and they emerged as an unexpected rival uh, for 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 Fox during that period. And I'm going to tell you the. Uh, it, 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 as soon as the calendar turned to 2018, we got a brand new a brand new offer at when when Comcast said, "I see your 56 billion, and I raise you to 65." Let's 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 turn those numbers around. Let's put that six in front of the five. Five 65 billion dollars they offered for 20th Century Fox, an all cash bid by Comcast, the largest cable company and broadband provider in the United States. It came one day after a federal judge approved a merger between AT&T and Time Warner, which had been waiting to get approval uh, you know, from the ju- judicial sector and get clearances because all of this monopoly stuff. And so one day after that, Comcast then enters, believing, hey, th- th- this can happen. It-, it-, it makes note in this New York Times article that I am reading from June of 2018. In December, Disney struck an all-stock deal worth $52.4 billion time for 52.4 billion for Fox's assets. And this is after Fox had rebuffed an offer from Comcast that was worth roughly 60 billion. So now and, and literally this is what the New York Times says, now Comcast is back creating a likely bidding war for the conglomerate that Mr. Murdoch has spent a lifetime building. Setting up a showdown between Comcast chief executive Brian L. Roberts and his counterpart at Disney, Robert A. Iger, who has staked his legacy on this deal. There is bad blood between Disney and Comcast. The rancor stretches back to 2004 when Comcast tried to swallow Disney. The Disney board fought off that attempt, but Mr. Iger and his top lieutenants have never forgotten it. Anyone on the Jurassic Park rides at NBC Universal's theme parks can see what Comcast, which owns NBC Universal, thinks of Mickey Mouse. One of Disney's famous mouse ear hats float next to the raft that a marauding dinosaur has destroyed. Comcast seems hell-bent on winning this time, and I think the narrative in Philadelphia is that Brian should have listened to his gut in 2004 and bought Disney, is the statement from a gentleman named Craig Moffett, co-founder of a, of a research firm, Moffett Nathanson, and a longtime media analyst. He says in regards to Comcast, he seems very personally committed to doing this. And in a statement that the New York Times reports, Fox was intent on reviewing Comcast offer because now they've upped the ante. And what you have to do is you have to go to your, you know, shareholders, your board, your own personal, you know, uh, wealth and go, am I really going to, going to turn down uh, a, a number that, that jumps this substantially? So it was game on. So now what am I doing? I'm in New York, uh, doing press ready for the big, you know, while all this is going down and the whisper campaign is going, Deadpool 2 is playing in theaters. Uh, I'm, you know, it, it played all summer long, so there were all manner of different opportunities. But the people from Fox were buzzing. Oh my gosh, Comcast may emerge. And they will probably value us more because the idea was when your number one franchises now are from the Marvel portfolio in the Deadpool universe, which is said to my face, and uh, in the X-Men universe. And during this time, 
Fox did not, they were not deterred. It's like they, until the ink was dry, they were going to continue uh, developing Gambit. Let's talk about Gambit. Gambit had a great script, the Channing Tatum Gambit. One of my buddies, one of the executives was, was, was developing this, was refining this. He, he would share with me the development, the work done on the script, the concept. You were about to get an Ocean's Eleven mutant film. Think of Ocean's Eleven with various mutants making up uh, Gambit's posse as they, as they pull off a heist. Logan and Deadpool, and again, this is the executive speaking, the, the, the R-rated space was where Fox wanted to continue to swim in because they were having so much success and it separated them from everything that was happening with the Disney movies, the Disney Marvel films, which as great as they were, were a little safer. Polished, beautiful, Endgame and Infinity War are their own brands of comic book superhero masterpieces, cinematic you know, achievements. But Fox had found that space, kind of the flippant, uh, graphic action adventure films, uh, raunchy, funny that, that, that Deadpool was. And then with Logan, they made like an unforgiven, a dark Western, that you, totally changing gears. And so now they're going, we can do a heist flick. We're going to do a hardcore heist movie, you know, that, 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 that just involves mutants and Gambit was the centerpiece of it. And again, it was very much modeled on an Ocean's 11, Ocean's 12 styled adventure and ensemble. And, and it would have, you would have loved it. You may have read during that time that they had, uh, they, they had continued to commission new Fantastic Four concepts and th- th- there was just no looking back. They were going to continue to pursue everything that was under their purview, under their licensing agreement that they had basically in perpetuity because all they had to do was keep making these movies to keep the license to keep making these movies. They were going to do that no matter what until the ink was dry with either Comcast or Disney. You'll remember it was during this time that, that the Doctor Doom film by Visionary Director, producer Noah Hawley, who had given us those incredible seasons of Fargo. He had done Legion for, um, for, for, with, with Fox for FX, for, for their networks. He had a Doctor Doom solo film that he wanted to do. And, and he's ridiculously talented. Again, has a very unique artistic perspective. So, so Doctor Doom movie, Noah Hawley, th- th- this stuff is Gambit, you know, heist movie, more Deadpool. I am at this point meeting with Josh Brolin. Uh, talking about his excitement for the X Force film that was was to follow. Obviously, you can go wah wah, cry all you want, life. I'll take your take your candy and and, and go home. Um, I'm just telling you what was going on, how I was personally affected by this, giving me a perspective. Uh, Josh really loved the idea that he was going to play Cable and Strife. Really, that that that's the part of it that uh, that appealed to him the 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 most and. And so he was extremely excited about pursuing this. An X-Force film was the next film on the docket. It was going to, uh, Ryan Reynolds would have appeared as Deadpool briefly, yeah, walking through the movie, but not carrying the movie. The movie would be more about both uh, Josh and Zazie, Zazie Beetz, Domino character. So, so Josh was extremely uh, excited. He had been speaking to Fox. He had many options to return his cable. He was... Uh, he, he was, he really wanted to explore, if you know anything about the Cable, X-Force uh, comics and the Strife dynamic, that's what he was most interested in. And 
you remember X Force? X Force had it had <laughs> X Force had a, had a director. You guys, that that this movie was again. It was absolutely on the docket. It was getting ready to happen, and and then you know again. When 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 the deal was finally done, kind of everybody knew all of this stuff was going to come to a grinding halt, and it did. the The X Force director was was none other than than Drew Goddard. I was able to meet uh, with Drew and, and speak of the 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 potential for X Force, which was still alive in January of of twenty nineteen, because again, this this deal hasn't closed; it won't close for a couple more months. And there was a uh, Critics Choice, the Critics Choice Awards. The Critics Awards were happening in, in, in January, and if you can believe it, Deadpool 2 was up for uh, a couple of different movies. And so I would get to go to these uh, award shows and sit at the Fox table and root for a movie that really had no, ch- <laughs> that had no chance of winning on either, either year. Because it, it wasn't it was, uh, as successful and as cool as the Deadpool movies were. They didn't have the same you know, pedigree as the quote-unquote important films. But Drew was a writer, was a producer on uh, The Martian, on the... Uh, Daredevil Netflix series. He wrote and di- directed a killer movie called Bad Times at the El Royale that Fox had made. He's on Cloverfield Paradox. I just want to read to you all the places that you may have seen his name. The Martian. Uh, he worked on Lost, on Alias. Really super uber talented guy. And he was tapped. And so he and Josh Brolin had discussed all of the different opportunities that were going to present themselves from this X-Force movie. He was extremely excited. He was a big comic book fan. He knew what he was doing. And like I said, our, our last conversations took took place uh, prior to the show getting underway in, in kind of the, uh, the, where everyone was kind of having a bit of a social gathering prior to the, the, the show officially starting. And, and Drew was super cool and enthusiastic and hoping that it, it, we could still thread the needle and, and, and get an X-Force movie off the ground. So the last days of 20th Century Fox had a lot of Marvel stuff on the slate. Had a killer Gambit movie. Had a killer Doctor Doom movie. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm pretty sure if memory serves, they were even letting Tim Miller make a Kitty Pride movie. I mean, the, the, and, and obviously lots more Deadpool to come, branching off into X-Force. So I was there. I was watching uh you know the disappointment on everyone's faces and and uh you know when the announcement came that they moved deadpool 2 in between again going back to what i talked about a half an hour ago in, in between infinity war and solo i'm going to tell you my disney friends lost their shit they screamed they cursed they were so pissed because they wanted that clear you know three weeks they wanted a clear three weeks not just a clear two weeks for an infinity war and when you would sit and talk with all my disney buddies what they would talk at the time and i would just sit back and wow they would talk about dominating dominating not just the 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 american cinemas but worldwide global domination imax screens controlling screens making choking other uh movies out you you read earlier this year maybe you didn't but it was announced tom cruise pleaded with warner brothers to move off Oppenheimer, Brian, another couple couple weeks. I'm sorry, Universal Studios. It pleaded with Universal Studios and with IMAX to um to to move Oppenheimer. And and I mean, come on, you can only imagine Universal and 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 uh, IMAX going. Sorry, Tom, because Tom has had tremendous success with the Mission Impossible series on IMAX screens, and we've covered here before. When you go see an IMAX movie, you are basically paying two for one prices. 
If I go see IMAX on my own, seven, eight bucks. I mean, if I go see Mission Impossible on my own, 850. If I go see it in IMAX, $24. If I take my wife, now we're looking at 48 bucks, tax, tip, everything, 50, 60 bucks. If we buy drinks, candy, huge upswing for the theater, but big uptick for the movie, you know, 850 to $24. And then sometimes you're bringing your family. So it's $100 to go see Mission Impossible. And if you've controlled, if you're controlling the IMAX screens like Oppenheimer did the rest of the, the rest of the year and Yes, Oppenheimer controlled them because the interest was there. They were sold out for weeks. I had to wait weeks to get 70 millimeter uh, tickets for Oppenheimer. Weeks. When it, when it, the night that I came back from San Diego Comic-Con, Joy and I went to see Oppenheimer and we had to go see it on a very small, less impressive screen. But it was the, literally the only thing in my 15 theaters in, 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 in Orange County that was available. I mean, that, that, that thing dominated. So yes, did it earn its showcase? Did it earn its, its IMAX window? Absolutely. But Tom normally gets those for Rogue Nation. He gets those for his, uh, his big Mission Impossible films. And this time, he had them last year for, for, for Maverick. And that money spends, right? That, that money's a big deal. Well, you know, these Disney people, they would talk about this exact fact. We, the word, choke out other studios, you know, dominate theaters less screens to show their stuff more to show our stuff and now that portfolio was going to swell because you're not walking in just controlling content from the pixar library and content from the marvel library and the star wars library you've got an entire fox library of films and concepts that people you know absolutely love now given the 21st century as it's now called 21st century studios is operating uh with 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 really what amounts to a skeleton crew and compared to what was going on with 20th century fox in its heyday you know you're going to get something that is as, as fantastic as prey the predator prequel you're going to get that direct to hit to hulu and and wonder why am i not seeing this in the theater because again the budgets the accounting the way that that business shows its most profit and threatens the big stuff the least is to go certain paths certain pipelines so that's the reality that we now live in but the last days of 20th Century Fox found a ton of Marvel concepts slowly being turned off, including Deadpool, which I knew was going to go into the deep freeze for a long, long time because the R-rated space was not a place, no matter what they say, no matter what the press releases say, how they were committed to making Deadpool R. And they and and look, I, I believe that now in 2023, having witnessed that this, this is absolutely going to be an R-rated endeavor, 100%. The uh, so that 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 is terrific, and the, and the fans should be thrilled. The R-rated content is being filmed, but that was not a space that anyone was really comfortable saying in the same sentence as Disney. It's not it's not what they did. It even seemed uncomfortable when Bob Iger would talk about it that he would say <laughs> that he would go, "No, we're going to keep these movies R-rated the same way you like them." And you're like, "Really?" Uh, the R-rated space of Logan of the Deadpool films that 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 Fox was going to do so much more of. You just didn't really see that fitting with all of the ways Disney was succeeding with their Marvel brand at the time with the giant, you know, success of, of infinity war and Endgame and everything that came in the, in, in the, in between like black Panther, uh, uh not in, in the right before pretty much the, 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 the Marvel sweet spot for me, I'd go back to winter soldier, but certainly success of the box office from civil war through Endgame was just an incredible run uh that, that few have ever experienced 
few studios, few franchises. But, you know, we're now looking on the other end of, uh, of, of phases that didn't connect as well. You know, as much as you or I may enjoy any of the movies that Marvel put out in the phases that followed, they haven't enjoyed the same success. So now you've got maybe some of these assets getting, getting more attention like Deadpool 3 because what was on the drawing board post endgame has not clicked and and they're seeing and i'm seeing i'm seeing all this 20th century fox stuff uh be be, be more appreciated looking back and appreciating x-men 2 logan days of future past the deadpool films uh first class there was a lot of great stuff in regards to marvel i know i'm i'm very heavy on the marvel content in regards to fox but that's where i had my most relation i did i mentioned though like the stuff that they were doing with with the martian which was pedigreed nominated you know, successful. It, it checked all the boxes. They could they could bring awards level caliber the, the quote unquote important films. You know that every studio wants to have. But the bread and butter, what was paying? Again, Rob Deadpool is our number one franchise. It is our number one franchise. And you're like, but Rob Avatar, I'd say the same thing. I would say the exact same thing. Avatar was inconsistent. Maybe looking at decades between films, right? which is ironic since now Deadpool will feel like a decade between films given the, the staggered window following th- two to three. And again, as you listen to this, I just got a big smile on my face because if I, I would tell Ryan, shook his hand, if Deadpool 2 is as far as this takes us, what a blast. And I thanked him. Thanked him for making these killer movies. Thanked him for curating the, 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 the specific care that he gave to this character and knowing that, uh, you know, this, this could be the end of the line. So it was just, hey, you know, I, I read I read a thing where uh, I read an, a, uh, an article from one of the producers that created the show Winning Time, which was really about the rise of the NBA in the 80s through the lens of what was going on with the Lakers and the Celtics. And it was abruptly canceled recently, and I've, I'm still working through all my anger and feelings on that one. But he wrote a very uh, sweet uh, why he's not so bitter, and it's because uh, in The Hollywood Reporter, and he talks about how it was just the magic of making them at all. And the experience that he had. And so I, I, I know how that feels because that's how I felt being that X-Force is not going to happen. Some of this, these plans aren't going to go through and this could be the last. So don't, this isn't a wah, wah, you know, crybaby session. This is the seat that I had as my friends uh, did in fact lose their jobs. The first wave of cuts, second wave of cuts. Everybody at Fox, that's what happens. They absorb, it's lean, it's mean. All of the Marvel, Marvel Fox stuff went into an a questionable, uh, I'd say, locker safe uh, for for the last for, for four and a half years, while they figured out what do we do with this. And I believe, to borrow a phrase from a friend, uh, Deadpool was break in case of emergency. That's where he that that the, what he was uh, the 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 special status that he he had. And when it came time, and and some of the disappointments of of, of the recent Marvel Disney films. They decided to break that glass and make that happen at any, any cost, uh, any reputation. Let's get it going. Let's make it happen. But in the last days of Fox, here's what I'm going to share with you. My, the weirdest thing that ever I, I ever saw. And this involves Rupert Murdoch being only feet away from me for an extended period of time. It was November of 2018. They had recut. If you remember Deadpool to be once upon uh, a Deadpool, the the Christmas re-release of Deadpool, which was cleaner, PG thirteen, Fred Savage, you know, 
a, a spoof on Princess Bride. It was brilliant. It was really inspired. And they had wanted me to come up and see a final cut and talk to me about, about promoting it as it was going to be hitting theater soon. They, they, they call it the gold door. It's the most important executive suites. And then you get the, to, to, to park on the gold curb. And they said, Rob, you're going to get gold curb parking and you're going to meet us at the gold door. Well, for the last 20 years, I get everywhere in, 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 in LA. I, when I have to go to a meeting, I'm, I'm there about 90 minutes early. I would rather be in my car reading uh, you know, Twitter or, or news, a paper, interacting on social media, perhaps writing or drawing something in, in my sketchbook, then, then be late. And I, I'd rather be there on time, in my car, in my environment. Now, I was on the, friend, I was on the phone with a friend in the comic book business when this happens. Now, behind me, behind the gold curb, behind the gold door, those, those suites, is where the giant commissary is on the Fox lot. So, so you've got basically like a two lane on each side in terms of cars. It's, it's a big swath of, of pavement of road to, to, to cross the street and go into the commissary and then go back to the giant executive suites. And in my rear view mirror, I can't believe that I'm seeing this, but coming out of the door of the commissary and walking across the paved street area and then back up onto the sidewalk and then clearing four steps of stairs on their way then to another two steps to get into the gold door was none other than Rupert Murdoch, November 2018. And I'm on the phone with my friend. And I go, oh my God, approaching me is Rupert Murdoch. And when I say Rupert Murdoch, I mean Rupert Murdoch alone, the billion dollar man alone, no one. He does not even have a suit uh, coat on. He has just got a uh, light blue shirt, purple tie, and purple pants and leather shoes. But when he is walking, and I can't fully, you know, illustrate this to you over a podcast, but I'm going to try. Uh, he was walking with a gait that you would assign to Gollum. His um, midsection, his from his waist and torso up, that is parallel to the street. He is hunched over as much as any man can be hunched over. And he is walking, swinging a right arm and a left arm forward, right arm and a left arm forward, right arm. And I said, I am on my car phone. And I go, oh my God, Rupert Murdoch is approaching me and he is alone. The man that is buying, that is selling Fox to Disney is approaching. I'm literally freaking out. I look through the right passenger window as he walks up. It is dead on Rupert Murdoch. He glances over to me. Like I'm a fly, notices me, returns gaze, hits those steps. Again, the lowest, like his entire waist, trunk, upper torso is, I mean, we are horizontal to the ground. And his legs are moving one at a time, pumping, pumping, arms, like literally swinging as far forward. And then the president of 20th Century Fox opens the door and, and all of the uh, various uh, uh, upper management are waiting at the gold door. They've opened it. They're welcoming him, welcoming him as he approaches again alone. I am expecting not one, not two, three or four bodyguards. I am like, how is this guy? And he enters. Well, I've still got 40 minutes till I'm supposed to go through that same door, be greeted, and then taken to the theater room and watching Once Upon a Deadpool. 
And I'm like, did that just happen? Well, as to pour salt on me, about 38 minutes later, the door opens. The same executives are bidding Rupert goodbye. And now I'm going to see what I just saw in my rearview mirror and then pass me and then watch as I am watching him, you know, pull away from me. I am now watching him come towards me. Rupert Murdoch is swinging those arms, man. He is low to the ground. He is going down the two steps, down the four steps, going past me again. No notice, not looking at me anymore and walking all the way back across. Well, five minutes to go. I am then going to get out. I'm going to walk into the building. And when somebody like that enters your building, everybody knows it, especially during this period where they're all going to be sold eventually. It is, it is the end of, of 2018. They are looking at a three-month period where this deal is going to be finally closed. And we're going to wrap up how that whole Comcast thing goes down because I'm not sure if all of you are aware of all of the uh, kind of the, 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 the spy game, subterfuge that was, that was, that was uh, put, put forth uh, as Iger looked to pull away from, from Comcast's offer and seal the deal. But when I enter to go see my screening of Once Upon a Deadpool, I, I, I walk inside. There's some executives there that gathered around the, 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 the desk, the, 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 the receptionist area, my executives that are meeting me. And I said, you guys, was, was, that was Rupert Murdoch. And they, oh, yeah, you saw that? Yeah, Rupert was just here. He was just here. He, he, he had a, a meeting. And I said, and he was alone. He was totally alone. There was nobody. She goes, oh, well, and this is what was told me. Well, yeah, he, he owns all of this. He, he, he's very comfortable. I'm like, with no bodyguards, I, I am telling you, people, I have seen the most B of the B-level actors at some of these uh, movie premieres use their elbows to bump, not just me, uh, my, my 14-year-old kids out of the ways. I mean, just brutally. B-movie actors uh, worth nowhere near Rupert Murdoch who are carrying with them the, the, the status of don't mess with my giant bodyguard. He'll break your face just by looking at you. Rupert Murdoch, a billion dollar man, uh, just walking to and fro across his lot without any protection whatsoever. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah, he was here. Yeah, that was him. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. You saw him. And then I, I was like, what? So I saw Mr. Murdoch out in the wild during this. And did it occur to me at one point to get out and go, Mr. Murdoch, please, please <laughs> let Fox shine on its own. Give it a little more time. But look, the path was he was selling and getting back to that Comcast thing. You want to know what happened? Comcast up the bid, right? They, 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 they pushed that bid higher and they made Disney more uncomfortable and clearly, you know, made them spend more money. Comcast Disney appear poised to battle for Fox May 19th, May 9th, 2018. See, it wasn't official yet. It was just a rumor during the premiere of Deadpool 2 in New York City, May 9th, 2018. Forbes magazine, the eyes of the media world are on Chief Executive Bob Iger of Walt Disney in anticipation of a possible bidding war with rival Comcast. Okay, that's Forbes magazine. <clears throat> Comcast first made an offer for the Fox Entertainment assets last November. But Fox decided to go with Disney. Again, some, some more of this reporting from all of the different uh, stu studio, uh, trade magazines at the time. Comcast offers $65 billion for 20th Century Fox, challenging Disney 
was was the New York Times, which I already read excerpts from. Comcast's interest in 20th century Fox allowed Murdoch to drive up Disney's purchase price to $71.3 billion. I keep calling it $70 billion. I, I forget that there's a 1 and a 0.3 attached to that. $71.3 billion. Iger and his team believe what they would hope be their final offer personally to Murdoch. Okay. They did this traveling through Ireland on a different plane because Iger said he was worried that Comcast would be tracking their movement. I mean, when you, when what 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 is Comcast? It's a it's a communications network. It it's a, it's got satellites. It can track your phone. It talks about the the lengths that Bob Iger went to be disguised as he had to go overseas and reach Rupert and and present their final deal in hope of of securing him away from Comcast. Comcast. Uh the 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 <clears throat> The exact, uh, the, again, the exact wording as the New York Times uh, presented it said, Iger and his team deliver what they hoped would be their final offer personally to Murdoch in London, traveling through Ireland because they were worried Comcast would be tracking the movement of private planes flying in and out of London to the United States. I mean, th- this was like the secret travel to secure the, the 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 final financing so that comcast Iger wanted to do it with some misdirection because he figured if comcast knew that they were reaching rupert murdoch overseas that they may intercept and up their bid and he didn't want that so 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 i mean to take different charter planes so as to throw the scent off of Comcast because he knew that they were tracking movements. That just makes this even better. It makes it even better. But in the end, they secured it seventy-one again point three billion dollars is uh, is 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 the uh, is the final price. And of course, as you know, we went into the period where everything kind of got frozen. All of the assets, really. I mean, Prey was one of the most significant. First releases, first original, you know, a product of this union. Avatar two was already well, well being being filmed, but Disney clearly got to get the benefit, the benefit of releasing that. And they have clearly all the the Avatar presence at their Florida theme parks. And once again, as Fox was quick to note, they didn't have any of that merchandising. And when I mean, you saw Disney knows how to merchandise. They know how to make 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 those shiny objects that everybody desires so in the end Iger he he, he won what what they what they call he won his showcase and uh <clears throat> it says personally in this new york times uh reporting it says in early june 2018 before final terms were settled uh, the 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 second bidder emerged. Brian Roberts, the chief executive of Comcast, offering Murdoch sixty five billion, twelve point six billion more than Disney was prepared to pay. Murdoch did not want to sell to Comcast, according to people familiar with his thinking. He preferred Disney for a variety of reasons, including his personal admiration for Bob Iger, whom he Robert Murdoch viewed as a risk taking leader in his own image. What's more was that Comcast's offer was all cash, and it would create a bigger tax burden. For Murdoch, but Murdoch did enjoy the prospect of a bidding war 
and he had a potential path to securing both a higher price and a preferred buyer by how this all played out. Remember the Justice Department, and it, and it, and it says here, the, uh, it says right here in the New York Times, under an article called Planet Fox, the Trump Justice Department came to Burdock's rescue, appealing a federal court ruling. On its face, the lawsuit with AT&T and Time Warner had nothing to do with Comcast, but because the company had its own history of tangles with government regulations, the appeal would give Murdoch the cover he needed to accept Iger's latest bid instead. Comcast now looked risky. There was no evidence that the Justice, Depart- the Justice Department factored into Murdoch's interest into his decision-making process. Nevertheless, he had gotten another $20 billion for his company while still selling to his preferred suitor. When the deal was finalized, Rupert Murdoch would personally take $4 billion, bringing his net worth to $18 billion. All six of his children would receive $2 billion each. Lachlan and James Murdoch would get even more, an additional $20 million in Disney stock, golden parachutes worth about $70 million each. Yet neither was getting what they wanted. This is an article, on the, on an extensive New York Times article on the Murdoch family filled with little juicy tidbits like the ones that I've been sharing with you. But the last days of Fox were, it was sad. It was sad, and, and I am still in contact with those people in marketing, those executives. They've all landed at different studios, uh, different production companies all across uh, the, 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 the entertainment platforms that we all interact with. They're just doing their job for someone else now. But that moment, that moment in time when they were uh, surging, and then they had to find out that the boss was going to sell high. And he did sell high. How can you blame Rupert Murdoch for, for, for selling $71.3 billion? Just an incredible uh, success story. I say it all the time, $71.3 billion. I usually just say $70 billion, But again, think of Lucasfilm for $4 billion. Think of Marvel for $4 billion. And then put this in perspective. It is enormous. There have been numerous articles written since. Did Iger make a mistake? Was 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 Disney uh, wrong to to buy 20th Century Fox? It's going to take years to to sort this all out, and all of that stuff went into a deep freeze. And now we are going to see when they release Deadpool three. You know, we are going to see the first fruits of the Marvel portfolio and how it unfolds. But you can't argue with many fans, many people that I interact with. They have a sweet spot. They have a really. Uh, kind of a romance going on with the early 2000s Fox releases and 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 they look back again whether it was X2 or First Class or Days of Future Past or Logan or the Deadpool films they look back at them with the fondness that maybe the rattling of look over here with all of the shiny Disney Marvel products had distracted them and 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 uh life moves fast entertainment moves fast uh there's new stuff all the, all, all, all the time, but sometimes we slow down and we remember how great that was. But yes, for me personally, obviously, yeah, an X-Force film, a Cable's solo standout film. For you, the Gambit film, I think an excellent Doctor Doom film, more Deadpools and, and stuff more, obviously, more quickly. Now, another reason I can't ever stop smiling is it's not like any of this stuff stopped being published and there's not toys. You know how many new statues of all this stuff? Um, and it's not just Deadpool and X-Men. You've had Silver Surfer statues. You've had Fantastic Four stuff. That pipeline has increased again now that it is all under the umbrella of Disney. Bringing Sony and Spider-Man to it's the, the final holdout. And I'm I'm just not sure that that wouldn't, that the Spider-Man catalog alone would not demand basically 
I think Sony would demand a similar cost to the entirety of, of what they gave to Fox for just getting the final piece, getting Spider-Man. And who knows how that's going to play out. I have no insider intel. There's certainly no chatter going on. This was the summer and the period of all these incredible strikes. But the last days of Fox were something that from their biggest franchise, I had a front row seat to. And whether it was the folks in marketing, because the marketing guys took me out for one last lunch. And that's when I said, yeah, well, it looks like the Comcast thing is going to happen. Looks like Disney's going to prevail and we're all going to be looking at different gigs. And uh, I know that many of the talent that brought some of these Deadpool characters to life even contacted me and said it was a great ride. It was a great ride. I, I don't see how this happens again. So maybe a year from now, we're in a theater, maybe, maybe, maybe a year, maybe a little, little longer, uh, given the, 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 the delays with the strike. The Deadpool 3 is back, and we get to see basically the first chapter in the Marvel uh, side of, of, of all of this. Uh, what was once at Fox being produced successfully at Fox will now be something uh, that, that Disney is releasing. And, and I look forward to it. It's going to be fun. It is going to be fun because uh, change sometimes can be a challenge, but it provides growth and it provides uh, tremendous learning and sometimes some new energy. And I think all that's going to come on the other, other, other side. But yeah, seeing Rupert Murdoch walk across unprotected, this, again, just, that is not something you commonly see. I mean, I see pastors of churches with bodyguards, okay? I see, so let's take it out of the entertainment realm. I see pastors of churches, and here comes Rupert Murdoch, who could buy every church in Southern California. No bodyguard, just... But man, that crawl and the hunchback over of his now maybe 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 in public he takes something and is able to stand up for for periods of time. What I saw that day was crazy, and when I say that it was the golem crawl, it it was very much in that vein. It was shocking to see. But again, the people meeting him at the door, welcoming inside, and then oh yeah, that's that's Rupert. He owns all this. He he doesn't really worry about protection on his on his own lot. Good point. Note taken. The last days of Fox were crazy. They were absolutely bonkers. To, to really summarize the whole romantic notion of what was going on with Fox is you cannot deny on any level that they had found their voice. And again, my Disney meetings, my, my friends at Disney, Disney Marvel, they recognized, they're like, oh shit. They, they said, oh shit, the R-rated space is really working for them. And, and with Logan... So you had Deadpool, then a year later you had Logan, then a year later you had Deadpool 2. And all told, all of those movies combined were, were more successful than maybe the three to four X-Men movies before them by a lot. They had found it. They had found their niche. They had found their voice. And, and uh, they, they, they were very confident moving forward how they were going to continue to present this side, this side of the, at least the Marvel stuff they owned. Okay, and that that was something that one, at least one Disney person told me. It's like they're they're operating in a different sandbox than we are. They found their own way. They, they said all of this in in a much less mannered way. Uh, imagine a lot more cursing, swearing, and and and, and exclamation. And they'd uh, they'd be it was it was it was like they found a different path to what we're doing than than, than what we're doing. And we're not sure how we feel about that. 
that, that's the best way that I can summarize it. But at the end of the day, Rupert Murdoch sold high. Could you sell higher? I, I don't think anyone ever has. And, uh, and now the ball has been in the court with Disney for quite some time. But the, the Fox people were great. Some of the greatest, classiest, friendliest people in, in, uh, on the film side, in the executive branch, the marketing, uh, just incredibly knowledgeable, smart, uh, energetic, really just happy to, to have, have the jobs that they had and have the creativity, uh, br- bring that creativity that they brought in, 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 uh, in, in really up in the ante, raising the bar. So that's the last days of Fox from my point of view. But also, again, do not for, forget that New York Times reporting, man. That Bob Iger, I'm going to London via Ireland. I'm charting different planes than the ones that they're, they, they think we're riding on Disney planes. I'm going to go different routes. At one point, one report said, I mean, he was taking boats and trains to get to Rupert Murdoch in order to stay off the grid, in order to secure this. So crazy times, crazy stories. You know, the superhero stuff, it, it, it's always at the center of so much of this stuff that we discuss here on Rob Observations. And today we had to do the last days of Fox and we did and it felt good. And I hope you enjoyed it. And you all know that the end of each and every episode, I am so fortunate to read the reviews that you leave for me that help us so much. You guys, it helps us on this platform in, in, in ways that you will never even imagine. It really does give us a tremendous assist. assist. Uh, it, it, it pops us on the platform. It absolutely helps. And you guys are popping us on the platform. Again, my thing that I love now is this, this podcast that I give to you uh, that, 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 that I enjoy that we share because you've told me how much you dig it and, and, and the history and the interviews and all the stuff that I'm able to, 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 to bring that maybe is not where your flashlight normally shines. That it may, maybe my drawer has different stuff in it. You guys have given me that feedback and it is so meaningful to me. And my, my son will take me because he's in the business sector. And he's like, you know, dad's Spotify, you know, their, their bet on podcasts isn't, isn't exactly working out. They're going to be cutting back. And I said, Luke, I don't know what to tell you, but my, uh, my audience is growing exponentially. It, 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 the, the numbers are crazy. And, uh, and, and when you leave these tremendous reviews for me, I, I, I just, I have to thank you from the bottom of my heart. And today's review is from Johnny Homicide. And he gave us five stars. He says, amazing show. I love listening to this show week after week. Rob's keen insights into comic books and pop culture keeps me going every week. As a guy who's working at becoming a comic book writer in my own right, listening to Rob talk about his experiences and his undying love for comics is nothing shy of inspirational. Thank you for all the great work, Rob. Both in comics and on the podcast. Keep it cooking. Five of five stars. His name is J.X. Morris a.k.a. Johnny Homicide. Johnny, thank you. You honor me with this. I am so appreciative that you left this review for me. Thank you so much for all the reviews that each of you uh, sit down and write and send. It, it, it just is such an inspiration. It keeps me going and it helps our platform and our, 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 our podcast so very much. So thank you again, Johnny Homicide, uh, the, the name J.X. Morris. I, I am so appreciative of this review and I thank you so much. I hope that you can all reach me through all of my different social media platforms. And uh, I am always on social media, hanging out in between drawn pages, panels, 
making comics, uh, making this podcast. I love hearing from you all on Twitter, on the Twitter, or they call it X now. I, it's going to take a while. On the X slash Twitter platform, I am at Robert Liefeld, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D. That's my full name, at Robert Liefeld. Reach me on Twitter. I love reading your DMs, your messages, all the interactions, the comments. Uh, I love hanging out with you. It's one of my favorite platforms. On X slash Twitter, I am Robert Liefeld. I have the blue check. Comes and goes. It's pesky, but it's there to remind you that I am the real deal, Holyfield. I am the legit, not the fake Rob Liefeld. That's the real one. You can find me at Robert Liefeld on Twitter. Over on Instagram, I am at Rob Liefeld. At Rob Liefeld is my Instagram handle, my my visual picture diary of my life, what I'm drawing, what I'm doing, the family I'm hanging out with, my friends, my food. I just, I just kind of photo dump all over that website, uh, that, 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 that social media platform. And maybe it's your thing. Maybe it's your not. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's not. Uh, I am at Rob Liefeld. I love, again, reading your comments, your messages, your DMs. Thank you so much for interacting with me on Instagram. I am at Rob Liefeld. I have a Facebook group. It's called Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond. It's not a page. It's a group. Look for it. Either myself or a gentleman named Terry Sala, S-A-L-A, will click you on through once you uh, you know, click to join. Uh, that's how you know you're at the right, right place because it's either myself or Terry Sala who are going to be doing it. We have a great community. It's kind. It's fun. Uh, we just talk comics, uh, characters. It's a, really an extension of this show. So much of what we discuss here continues there. I, I am on the page every day interacting with so many of you. Please join the Rob Liefeld Marvel Extreme and Beyond. We would love to have you. We would love to interact with you over on our Facebook group. I have a comic book. It's got one more chapter to go. And then there's a special that's coming out in November. And then there's some other surprises I have in store for you after that. But I am there for you. I have been there June, July, August, September. October is coming. Issue 5 is coming. Issue 4 is out. If you can find it, I went to several stores this last weekend. It was sold out in Irvine, in Santa Ana, in Westminster. I, I was, you know, it, it's a little disheartening. You kind of feel like, wow, I'm so excited. The book's not there. And then you go, oh, man, I'm so bummed. The book's not there. Uh, the, the, the store said we sold out. We sold everything we had. This is happening more and more frequently. Mark Miller of uh, of of Kingsman of of uh, Kickass of Wanted, Jupiter's Legacy, The Magic Order, brilliant. One of my favorite writers of all time. What was was talking about this on Twitter? Uh, how his big game series is selling out, and he asked retailers to order more. I, I can't, in good conscience, ask retailers to order more. They're they're doing what they want to do, and if they want to be sold out on Saturday. Some of them are sold out on Wednesday. That is their prerogative. Uh, if you were able to get a copy of Deadpool, Batter, Blood, 1, 2, 3, and 4, I hope so much that you enjoyed them. I, I, I am making them for you. Giant roller coaster level fun romps and rides inspired by the comics that, that I grew up and inspired me. Uh, and, then, and then after Deadpool, Batter, Blood, number five, I have a story in a, in a Deadpool anthology in November called Deadpool, Seven Slaughters. There's a special story. Uh, on its way to surprise you there. So yes, Deadpool Batterblood number four is in stores. Now it's got Wolverine, Spider-Man, Venom, Venompool, Deadpool, all new villains and characters. I very much hope you can get a, get a hold of a copy and, and thank you in advance. You can find me live streaming on an app called Whatnot. If you download it, get it on your phone, get it on your iPad, get it on whatever your mobile, uh, your mobile top. I am Rob Liefeld on Whatnot. We go live stream now basically once a week, uh, custom remarks, signatures, artwork, all manner of stuff. I did a 
cover with whatnot for Captain America number one. It's a Sam Wilson homage to my favorite, to my famous Caps boobs piece. It's a little more structured, a little more refined. It has become the uh, cover that is the most in demand that I've produced in years. I did it in conjunction with whatnot. It is going to be released for the first time to the public at New York Comic Con. I will be at New York Comic Con. I hope to see you there. Um, I will be because people are asking. And I'm an artist alley with the with the very generous people over at Hot Flips, and they always give me a great space from which to operate. And uh, th- th- they're I'm going to get you their very specific booth number so that you know how can how you can find me. The booth number that we are going to be at at New York Comic Con in Artist Alley is HB, like like the pencil lead HB, and then nine zero four HB nine zero four is where I'm going to be signing once once a day. We will be debuting uh, the the Captain America comic book on the floor, physical copies first. Then we're going to be at the whatnot uh, booth doing a live stream from there at least one in order to share captain america with you this this incredible variant that you're going to be able to get via the whatnot portal on the on on the show floor when we're at the whatnot booth but physical copies will be obtained for the first time making their debut signed by me at my booth i'll be there thursday friday saturday and sunday can't wait to see you can't wait to get these into your hands now some of you want these chiseled options that i do and you'll see me do them on the live stream I am only offering the chiseled options in advance so I can do it in a controlled environment. I don't want to do it in a place where someone can spill their their uh their their tiny their dipping dots or or their Coca-Cola or their their buttered popcorn on your sketch a, a, an elbow a knee can move a table. I'm going to do these chiseled options in a controlled environment prior to the show uh at, in in my hotel room and then deliver them to you. You're going to go on robliefeldcreations.com. That is my website. I have links to my website on all my social media platforms. Go to robliefeldcreations.com. There are four different chisel options. If you want to reserve a copy for New York Comic Con, hit one of those options. Go to robliefeldcreations.com and make sure that you secure your chiseled uh, option in advance. That is the way we're going to do things for New York Comic Con. Thank you, as always, for supporting the show, for supporting my career. 38 years of writing and drawing and creating comic characters, and and, and uh, now three years strong of telling you these crazy stories, sharing my experiences firsthand uh, on this Rob Observations podcast. Thank you for the love and the support and the generosity and the enthusiasm that you bring to this show. You know that I am always rooting for you. I want you to do great. I want you to be thriving. I hope that your emotional health, physical health, spiritual health, and your mental health is where you need it to be at optimum, maximum level. And if not, take a break, take a day off, relax on that recliner, watch a great football game, a great sports game Saturday, get caught up in college football, have it with a bowl of ice cream, gelato, have it with a taco, a slice of pizza. Oh man, this restaurant I took joy to the other night, they have these appetizers, these incredible meatballs that would be a feast on their own. Um, it, it, It just... Food really does it for me. I just am able to escape. I love the experience. I love hanging out. Our, our friends had a basically a Benny Hanna in their backyard. It was incredible. Those are the times you, you get away from the grind. Those are the times you get away from the grind. You fill them up with these great interactions with your friends, your family. Get out. Don't be, uh, what I tell my kids, get out. Don't be down. Get out. Interact with with, with people. Go just uh, get out and, and grab a cup of coffee. People watch. Just. Move, 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 move. And when you don't need to move, recline, recline, recline. And and you know that right next to you in that recliner, you need to have some candy, you need to have some chocolate, preferably one of those Reese's 
big cups. I don't care if it has pretzels, potato chips, cocoa puffs. They're delicious. They are absolutely delicious. Maybe I like the original one that doesn't have anything in it. Maybe that's my favorite. But uh, candy, cheat meals, movies, read a good book, read a good comic book, escape, and just reboot. And that is my hope for you. Everybody, I'm rooting for you. Fist bump, boom, right through. Thank you once again. I'm going to have to do something at the end sometime that will surprise you so that I know the people who listened all the way through till the end. But hey, swing back around. I hope to talk to you again. I'm going to be here. We most certainly, absolutely, and inevitably will talk again real soon. 